But what really changed was after that 12-month well child check where they get all those immunizations. About a month after that, Erin disappeared from our world. She went into her own world. She stopped giving us eye contact. She stopped babbling. She became obsessed with ceiling fans, things that spun. I was like, I've had two other kids. There's something going on here. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing respite and taking care of yourself. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing our community's code. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truths, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So while we continue our journey, before we get to our conversation today, let's just take a moment for ourselves and just kind of get grounded. If you want, sit up straight or lay down and just let your eyes fall closed and just take in the feelings within your body, the sounds within the room, and allow the thoughts that Go through your head just to come in and just let them flow right out. And then we're going to take three deep breaths in. And when we take our deep breath in, clench your fist and tighten your muscles and hold it at the top. And then we're going to exhale. And we'll do that three times just to get some of the energy through our bodies. So inhale intense. Hold, exhale and relax. Inhale intense, hold, exhale and relax. Inhale intense. Hold it. 
and then exhale and let it all go. And just feel the peace and calm. Life can get super chaotic. Our minds can make us mad. And we need to be able to find spaces where we can find the calm and the quiet of eternity or God or the divine or just a moment of peace. And with your eyes closed, just hear my words for a moment. With each breath, I inhale the energy of positive thoughts. I deserve to feel hopeful right now. I'm doing the best I can for my child. I love myself exactly as I am. I love my child, her children, exactly as they are. With each breath, I inhale the energy of positive thoughts. I deserve to feel hopeful right now. I'm doing the best I can for my child. I love myself exactly as I am. I love my children or child exactly as they are. And then take your time to just come back to the room and the space you're in and welcome to the show. And I'd like to welcome Janelle Hyatt to the show. Janelle, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, where are you calling in from? I live in Linden, Utah, which is just a little city, probably about 40 miles south of Salt Lake City, Utah. Can you tell us a little bit about Janelle and yeah. and what you guys look like and do? Yeah. My husband and I, Greg, we've been married for 24 years. We're going to celebrate our 25th here in May. We have three children. Our oldest, Julia, she's 21. She attends a university in Southern Utah called Utah Tech. She's actually studying psychology, and I think that's due to having a special needs sibling in the family. And then our son, William, just turned 18. He's a senior in high school. He's planned on serving a um, mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So we are um, what you call Mormon or LDS. So he's planning on doing that. And then our youngest daughter, Erin, who is on the autism spectrum, she's 14 years old. And we actually moved down here to Linden for her because she got into an all autism charter school, which goes from kindergarten to 12th grade. So we lived about 30 miles from the school when she first got in in her kindergarten year. And so we were driving 30 miles twice back and forth to take wow. her to school. So we thought, no, we just need to move closer. This is just too hard. Fortunately, we we're able to do that because my husband works from home. So he didn't have to uproot or anything, but unfortunately, William and Julia had to be uprooted from their friends and their school to move down here just so Aaron could benefit being close to her school. So, And how did they do with that? That was really hard on our oldest, Julia, because at the time she was about 14 years old. So leaving her junior high, middle school friends was really difficult. 
William, who was in elementary, he's Mr. Like social butterfly. So it was easy for him to make new friends, but it was really hard on Julia, but we got her through it and she made new friends and it's ended up being a huge blessing because we've been surrounded by a great community who understands our specialties family and is very supportive. So we really think we were guided here just because of Aaron's needing to be in this school. So when did uh, science start that Aaron was on a different track than maybe you were anticipating? You know, I've thought back in the past, but before I knew it, when she was, when I was pregnant with her, she was different inside my belly compared to my other two kids. She was, didn't move a lot. I had extra amniotic fluid with her. I was measuring quite large compared to my other children. They did do like an extra ultrasound and stress test and like, everything's fine. But what really triggered me was about six months of age, Erin just learned how to sit up. She was a little slow with her motor skills. And so, you know, you help them sit up and you have them hold onto your fingers. Well, she hated touching my fingers. She'd pull away from me. She didn't like the hand-to-hand contact. I could hold her under her armpits to hold her up, but she did not like that feeling on her fingers. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of strange. And then she was just slow. Like she didn't learn how to crawl till she was 12 months old. And she didn't learn how to walk till she was two. But what really changed was after that 12-month well child check where they get all those immunizations, about a month after that, Erin disappeared from our world. She went into her own world. She stopped giving us eye contact. She stopped babbling. She became obsessed with ceiling fans, things that spun. She was scooting around and crawling at that time. And then she would pick herself up and just put the top of her head on the floor. So she was like a teepee. Her feet were flat on the ground and then her head, and she just liked that pressure on her head. So I was like, I've had two other kids. There's something going on here. So I took matters into my own hands and I went to the state and asked for help. And they have like a baby or baby program for kids that are three and under to come out and evaluate them. And so she was diagnosed at 13 months with sensory processing disorder which I didn't know anything about. So they'd come out and just kind of work with her and get through things. And the doctors are like, oh, she's just behind a little bit. She'll catch up. But it didn't sit right with me. And then one night I was having a party with some of my high school friends because one of my friends was moving to Ohio because she's a child psychologist and got a job in Ohio. And she was observing Erin and she's like, you know what, Janelle, I think you need to have her evaluated. I think she's on the autism spectrum. And I know when people tell you, hey, you need to get your child evaluated, you can get extremely offended. I was not. It was like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the answer I've been looking for. So we went and got her evaluated through a psychologist. And at two and a half years of age, she was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. How did that feel? Like a ton of bricks landed in my lap. I mean, it was good to have an answer, but I've never really known the world of autism. I didn't know what was involved. I didn't know what it was going to take. I, at that time was like, is she ever going to walk? Because she was still crawling at that time. I mean, she learned to walk at two-ish and then she just wouldn't talk. She wouldn't give us eye contact. She would cry. She, I'm like, how do we get through this? How do we get her to look at us and understand us? I mean, but then it's like, okay, I have an answer and there are treatments, there are therapies The problem is, is back then insurance didn't want to cover anything. 
Greg and I went into a tremendous amount of debt taking her to these private autism centers to do this ABA therapy, speech therapy, OT, physical therapy. I mean, one place we went to was like $2,000 a month just to get Aaron up and going. So having that diagnosis, it was like, okay, our family dynamic has changed permanently now. It's all about Aaron doing what's best for her to the point where we've focused so much on Aaron, we'd let other things go, like our marriage. We'd ignore our marriage. We didn't have that dating time, that alone time. We always tried to make sure we spent time with Will and Julia. And we've asked them every single day to this date, hey, have we done a good job? Have you guys felt left out? They're like, no, we don't feel left out. We feel we feel good. But, you know, when you're out with an autistic child, out in society, parties, events, and they have a meltdown, you have to leave. And that was very hard on Will and Julia when we were at family parties for Christmas or out and about. And Aaron's freaking out. I'm like, I'm sorry, we have to go. So you learn to adjust. We learned that we would take two cars and either Greg would take her or I would take her. So it's just been a huge learning experience. But it's heartbreaking because you mourn the loss of the child that you thought you would have because Aaron wouldn't hit those milestones or you'd see other children in the community hit those milestones. And you're like, well, she's not even talking. She can't even have a conversation with me. She, so Aaron's very low verbal. She can communicate her wants and needs through therapy. She's learned as she's aged to answer yes and no questions or multiple choice questions but she still can't hold a conversation. If I ask her, Hey, how was your day at school? She just sits there and mom's talking. That's nice. You know, doesn't respond. So I have to say, did you have a good day or a bad day? And she can tell me it was a good day. So it's just been every day is a new thing. It's a new journey and it's been really hard, but we've learned from it. And I like a saying that people tell me, Oh, it's going to get easier the older she gets. I'm like, no, it doesn't get easier. It just gets different. It's just different. Yeah. Um, it's always going to be hard. I mean, you're going to have good moments. You're going to have shining moments. You're going to have those wins. Like when Aaron started talking, like when Aaron started using an iPad, which is really interesting because we used to try and get her to use, you know, those little blocks, they have the shapes and you put the shape in the correct cutout of the block. We yeah. tried forever in therapy for Aaron to do that, to match that up. And then I had a coworker suggest, hey, have you looked at iPads? They have really cool games and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, so we bought an iPad and we downloaded the puzzle piece where you drag the puzzle piece to the slot to match. She caught onto that so quickly. And then eventually, because she caught onto that, she'd go over and see these physical blocks and she was like, oh, it's like the iPad game. And she would put that in. So that was like a huge win. And we realized that Erin was a little technological genius and she loves the iPad. She can type in now YouTube videos. She'll search PBS Kids or Snoopy or whatever she's into and pull up videos. And we're like, wow, amazing that she can do that now. But it's just that's amazing. One day at a time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Did you say she's 14? She's 14 now. When you look back at the effort and the going into debt and the different therapies, would you do all of those same things again? Do you feel like they were effective? Would you recommend that to a new parent? Absolutely. I think early intervention is key, honestly. 
through some of those self-paid therapies, we eventually got on an autism pilot program through Medicaid services, which was a free enrollment. It was a lottery. We won the lottery, basically. And they enrolled Erin at age four. And then, of course, she ages out at seven because the state never lets anything last longer. You know, they feel like autism goes away adulthood and like, no. But those three years of good therapy, we had therapists out at our house three days a week, huge in-home therapy with everything, made huge strides. Not only that, it gave me a break. If they worked with her, I could hurry and go get some laundry done. Or if I worked full time during all this, too, my mother-in-law or my mom would watch Aaron during the day and they would have the therapist over. And even my mother-in-law and my mom learned how to interact with Aaron, how to keep those ABA therapy strategies going, keep that consistent in her life. So I would definitely recommend to parents the earlier you can get in for any kind of treatment intervention. We even did music therapy with Aaron where we had her listen to classical music. And that's really when her speech started to open up where she would just name animals and name colors and numbers. There's something like truly God-given through classical music and beautiful music that I think raises like an awareness in your brain to explore and do other things. So that was amazing. I'd recommend that. That was expensive. We had to pay for that, but it opened up her communication. So anything you can throw at your child to learn I highly recommend it. Don't go into poverty over it because you need a home for your child to be raised in. But yeah, I would definitely do it over again. And then how about, how about for you personally, did you fall into depression or addiction or have you been able to work through? How's your individual journey been throughout this process as Janelle? Yeah, it's, I mean, my husband and I definitely depression, anxiety, it's a stressful life. Erin doesn't sleep well at night, especially when she was younger. There were some nights she was wide awake and would be up all night long. So one of us would have to stay up with her because you have a kid wandering around the house, they can get into trouble. Also, Erin's a runner. She likes to escape and run away from the home. So it's definitely a fight or flight feeling 24 hours a day in our house. In fact, we joke around that we live in a prison because we do have top locks on our door. We have certain codes to get out our garage, out our back door, because she was still run. We even have special locks on windows because she's escaped out of windows. So that definitely raises our anxiety to a point where you're not sleeping at night. You're always on alert. Where's Erin? What's she doing? Um, You fall into a deep depression and anxiety and you feel like you're trapped in this world. You're trapped in this world just to keep this little girl safe. And I've gone to some dark places like I don't even want to be here anymore. I've considered just packing and leaving because I can't handle the stress. A lot of it because my husband travels for a living. He can be gone up to two weeks a month. And then I'm home alone, working full time, trying to take care of Aaron didn't really have any respite services except for like grandparents or school. So yeah, you can get in a really low down dark place. You know, I check in with the doctor. I take my antidepressants. My relationship with God changed when she was diagnosed and going through this years and years. I get angry at him. I'm like, why did you give me this child? You knew how impatient and selfish I was to begin with. It's like, why did you give me this child? She's still not potty trained. Like I still have to clean up after her messes. And now that she's a young woman, there's another monthly mess that I have to clean up after her. Um, And I still get angry. I'm like, 
what is the point of me learning this God? Why do I have to clean up after this individual? Why can't you just bless her to functional bowel movements and be able to clean up after herself? Like, but I just, in those deep, dark times, I just have to turn around and kneel down and pray and know that my heavenly father loves me, that God loves me, that he entrusted me to raise this sweet angel. Cause Aaron truly is an angel on earth. Everyone that comes across her, she, they're just like, she's the most beautiful soul. We have a special aide at our church that takes her every Sunday. And she's like, it's my favorite thing to do at church is to be with Aaron because she's just like, she's, I believe she's so close to angels on the other side. Aaron doesn't have like, she knows right from wrong in some things, but if someone were to criticize her or disappoint her or make fun of her, she has no idea. She doesn't have that social understanding of, oh, they're making fun of me. They're, they think I'm stupid. They think I smell. They think my hair's funny. She's in her own world, living her life, just happy doing whatever she is. And that to me is a huge blessing that she doesn't realize that society can be so cruel to someone like her. So I've had to look at that and kind of get me out of my depression that she's protected in a way that she doesn't know how cruel the world really is. She only knows the people in her world and how we treat her. But as far as working through my depression and my my anxiety, I have to take time out for myself. Like uh, the question we want to talk about is like self-care. I have to do a lot of respite for myself. I like to go get my hair done. I like to go get my nails done. I like to try and hang out with my girlfriends as much as I can. Uh, Same with my husband. He has a good friend he can go hang out with. Unfortunately, we my husband doesn't sleep well at night. He's still full of anxiety because Aaron's run away so many times that there are nights my husband goes downstairs and sleeps on the couch because he's so worried Aaron's going to get out of her room and, and leave. So it's really sad that when Greg travels for work, that the only time he can really get a good, sound, peaceful sleep is when he's in a hotel room with no responsibility ling- lingering there. It's really sad, but that's his way of dealing with getting enough sleep and getting a break. So It's a trip. And then how about for the two of you, have you been able to figure out ways to connect between the two of you kind of? Yeah, we've um, gone through therapy and then Erin used to have a respite center once a month that we could drop her off on a Friday night or Saturday night for three and a half hours. And we'd always go on a date for that. But then she aged out of that at age 13. They're like, she's too big now. But we also enrolled in state services here in Utah called DSPD. And we were on the wait list for seven years. And we finally got off on the wait list just three months ago. And we have been receiving respite services through the state. So that's helping because that's allowing Greg and I to have a sitter come to our home. And then we're able to go on a date, go run errands, do whatever we need to and connect as a couple Also, these services pick up Erin after school and take her to their center where she can play with other children with special needs, interact, be social. They'll take her out in the community. They'll take her grocery shopping with them. It's been a great, great thing. I mean, that's the biggest blessing in our lives. The sad thing is the reason why she got on those services is because when she started back up in school in August, she always has like, she likes to push her boundaries with her new teacher. So Aaron sometimes will stick things in her mouth and chew on them. And at school, she swallowed one of those circular pencil sharpeners the second day of school. Wow. They called me. They said, Aaron swallowed a pencil sharpener. 
there's a razor in that. I'm like, great. So I had to leave work, go to school, take Erin, take her to the emergency room. And for a living, I'm an x-ray technician. So they took the x-ray and sure enough, there's the razor blade sitting there in her stomach. So, and my husband's out of town, of course, at the time. So I had to sit there in the hospital with her. She didn't want to wear the mask. She didn't like the IV, try and settle her down. They had to put her under anesthesia. I was a nervous wreck because the procedure. He's like, oh, it'll be 30 minutes. Well, an hour, 15 minutes goes by. And I'm like, where's my daughter? What's going on? Apparently he had to go down and remove a lot of food out of her stomach to find the razor blade, but he got it out. And I was all by myself. And then, you know, she's recovering. She ripped out her IV. She, I'm a nervous wreck. (laughs) Just, so I go home and bury my sorrows in ice cream and Netflix and chill, you know, while Aaron's resting. But yeah, I mean, it's hard, but the next day I called up my DSPD caseworker and I said, Aaron swallowed a razor blade. And then like a few days later, I get an email saying you're into DSPD services. You're going to receive respite. And I'm like, Thank you. Finally, after seven years, but we could have used this like seven years ago. It's frustrating that our system here, and it may vary from state to state, but there are so many special needs children and so many families that need help. I don't care what kind of diagnosis your child has. It's hard on a family, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially. We all need some kind of help and services. So it's just kind of pathetic to me that it took my daughter swallowing a razor blade to finally get services. Yeah. Yeah. So So I have a question for you. Does your faith, and and by the way, I raised my kids in the church as well. And uh, Mm -hmm. does, does our faith have any answers to why our children have these needs? I've searched for that. And, you know, you always hear God gives special parents, special children. I'm like, I'm no special parent. I was the most... (laughs) I was the most self-centered, like in my own world, vain woman. And then I get this special needs child. I remember thinking as a teenager, man, if I had like a Downs kid or something, I could not handle that. And I'm afraid God heard that. And he's like, oh, that guess what you're getting, (laughs) you know? So I don't know if it's necessarily, my husband and I have talked about this. We believe in the pre-existence before we came to earth that there is a checklist And we just, Greg and I just marked off everything we wanted on that list, including autism and debt and marriage problems. And, you know, (laughs) we were just gung ho. So I don't know if that's why we have this challenge down here because we decided it beforehand, but I don't think special parents get special kids. I think it just, it happens to be that way. And it really is a test of your faith because I have want to turn away. I'm like, he's not answering my prayers. Why am I having this trouble? Why is our marriage struggling? Why would Heavenly Father or God want to do that? But this world is a test. And Greg and I truly believe that Aaron is our golden ticket to that eternal salvation of perfection. Because hopefully come judgment day, she'll say to the maker, they treated me great. They loved me. They kept going every single day. Yeah, I gave it to them really hard that they got up and kept going. So we really think... On the other hand, were Greg and I really that bad that we had to be given Aaron the gold? So we had the golden ticket to get into heaven, but I really don't know. It could go either way. (laughs) How about for your other kids? Has how is the impact? When Aaron was little and wasn't sleeping well, her bedroom was above Julia's bedroom, and Julia could hear everything. So 
during Julia's junior high school years, she struggled with depression, I think due to lack of sleep. It was really hard on Julia. Julia also got really down and depressed and to like suicidal tendencies, not basically because of Aaron, but lack of sleep, being a teenager in this world with social media. So that was really hard to handle. But Julia found her testimony with God as well and worked through that. And Julia adores her little sister, Aaron. Um, when she comes up from college, it's the first person she wants to go see. Aaron loves to see her sister. Aaron asks about her sister all the time. Wow. I truly believe Aaron is the reason why Julia wants to be a psychologist and do like uh, marriage and family therapy. In fact, Julia right now works for the state of Utah for child and family services. She takes in children that are taken out of homes where there's drug abuse and Julia works at that daycare where those kids kind of go to until they get placed into foster care. So wow. I really think Aaron's been a huge blessing in Julia's life, although it's been a rocky road for all of us because it's a hard thing to handle. Autism is a rocky road. Julia's handled it with grace. She's had her ups and her downs. So she's stronger and an independent woman because of Aaron. And I love that. William, my son, because of Aaron, William is very tender-hearted and very sweet and caring. Um, when he was younger in junior high, he would walk home with a few of the special needs boys and just talk to them. So Aaron gave William the gift of being open and relating to others who are different, accepting others and loving them for who they are. William will accept anyone to be his friend. So that's a huge gift because I didn't grow up that way. I was selfish and thought, oh, they're weird. And, you know, I look, felt bad for him. William just loves them and accepts them for who they are. And because of that, he has a ton of friends and is doing great. And I think it's just from interacting with his little sister. And he teases her. He's taught her how to shoot the basketball. Greg and I have even talked about like William could grow up and work with special needs kids. He's just so great with her. So, but there's been some hard times leaving parties at times. He was embarrassed to have his friends come over because Aaron's loud. Sometimes she's stripped and run around naked. She wants to be in their face, you know, things like that. So it's been a hard rocky road for that as well. But in the end, I think they don't resent her. And they love her. I think at times they had a little bit of resentment. I, I have too. Yeah, sure. um, it's just part of the journey. It's just part of the pain and having to digest through that sorrow and, and get through as to a side where it's positive and sunny and we're going to get through this. But Erin truly has been our family angel. She's been our family blessing through good and through bad. So, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think that my kids, you know, have more empathy and compassion at such a young age compared to, you know, when I was growing up, special needs was just that classroom in the corner of the school yes. that went and bathroom break and water break at a different time than everybody else. Yeah. You know, like that's, that was my contact. Yep. Yep. And now it's much different for them. So I see some of the blessings as well. Um, just to kind of get some more, we do like a little lightning round where you give one sentence, one word to one sentence yeah. answers just to kind of get some more of your opinions. Are you up for it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What's the best advice you have received? Um, don't sweat the small stuff. Just let it go. Don't worry about the dishes, the laundry, 
don't worry about what other people think of you, especially out in public when Aaron is super loud and obnoxious and people stare. Just that's their problem, not yours. Yeah, I so. like that. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? I would say just any autism support group on Instagram, Facebook. I know at Aaron's school, they have uh, resources for autism parents or special needs families to get together. Make friends on Instagram and Facebook. Like I have a friend who lives in Washington and then she moved to Montana. I've never met her, but she'll message me and we'll just vent back and forth. So if you can find someone in your similar network to just be yourself with and complain about what special needs parents need to complain about, that is emotionally and mentally healing and it makes you feel not alone. So I would definitely recommend that. Don't be afraid. Reach out, find a group. Yeah, I agree. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? I would really love to travel more. Traveling with an autistic child is very difficult. We've never taken Erin on an airplane due to fear of her having a meltdown or causing a scene. But as she's getting older, I think we're able to kind of rein in those behaviors a little bit faster than we used to. So it's my dream that we can travel as a family, like go somewhere tropical like Hawaii, because Erin loves the beach. She loves the water, the sand. So that's my dream. That's what we're working on. Um, Got to save up some money, too. But yeah, just we like to try and do regular family things. I mean, why? Because we have a special needs child. Should we miss out? Why should we not go to restaurants or travel? So, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Uh, probably <laughs> a living nanny. <laughs> yeah. Just someone, I mean, someone to take care of the house. Because honestly, I look at messes. It does stress me out. I'm one of those type A individuals. Just someone who could clean the house for me so I could spend more time with my daughter or do more things with her or my other kids. Just a nanny <laughs> to organize my life and make my house clean and organized. But having a family, especially a special needs child, your house is not going to be that way. So, but a nanny would be life changing. <laughs> nice. Do you have a, a favorite product you use for yourself or your child or your family that you just love and couldn't live without? Um, I would say the iPad is huge road trips, learning, entertaining her when we're busy with a phone call or something. I know it's like technology and it's a screen, but honestly, it's been life-changing for Erin. That's how she learned. That's how she learned her shapes. She even learned how to trace letters, numbers on that before she went to pen and paper. So any electronic device, an iPad, if your child will take to it, I think is a huge blessing. So that's been a lifesaver for us. I just want to say to you that, you know, as a parent raising special needs children as well, I know a lot that goes into getting to where we are today. I know that there's been a ton of hurdles and times of questioning how in the world can I make it another minute on this planet. And to see you sit here in your grace and share your story is inspiring for me. Thank you. And for our listeners. And I hope you realize like how far you guys have come. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate being seen a lot of times, special needs family. I feel like we're overlooked or ignored because people don't know how to interact with you because it's awkward, I guess. So thank you for inviting me on here and 
and sharing my story. And yeah, I just, I want people to know about us. I want people to be aware that we're out there. And if there's anything that we can do to give them any piece of advice or come forward and say, Hey, how are you doing? Or what can I do to help you? Or tell me about your daughter. Um, I think that's a win. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. I'd love to touch base down the road and hear Absolutely. how Hawaii went. Maybe yes. you can send us a picture Yes. Um, when you get there yep. and just, you know, continue the journey as friends on this Absolutely. path together. Absolutely. Thank you, Chad. I wish you and your family all the best. And thanks again for taking the time. You bet. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes, and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.